So, we made a podcast. <laughs> Welcome to uh, Plastic Press Gang is the name we decided on. My name is Calvin. I use he, him. And I guess, welcome to us learning how Zencaster works. Uh, I'm joined by... Eric, who also uses he, him. And also doesn't know how Zencaster works. It is an ancient and arcane device that we are completely confused by at all times. Yeehaw. And welcome to a podcast about playing historicals unseriously. Yeah, really, the, the goal behind this podcast is to uh, sort of follow our journey as uh, we look at historical war games as part of the larger miniatures hobby and uh, do so in a way where we're not taking ourselves very seriously. Neither one of us are, you know, professors of history or, you know, professional reenactors or all the miniest very things that uh, end with you having very, very deeply held opinions about what particular regiments wore in what particular year. Yeah, it turns out button counters are a scourge upon the earth occasionally. Was that too rough? I mean, I love Minutia as, next, as much as like the next person who gets into historical wargaming. I think the the real thing is is whether or not you end up in that in that place. Um, historical wargaming as a hobby struggles a bit with getting new people into it, um, and I think a lot of that is the intimidation factor of uh, feeling like you need to do things absolutely correctly and like there are particular answers, uh, even when often actually historically there aren't. And so that's that's part of it, is, is we like uh, to approach this in a way that we think is slightly more accessible to folks um, and, and hopefully help people who are interested get into working on uh, historical projects as, as part of their larger hobby. Yeah, I mean, as much as like I enjoy, for example, one of the people who might know a bit more than us about historical things, uh, Martin from Seventh Son. Love his work, but occasionally his stuff seems a little bit dense and impenetrable, where it's like, hey, here's War of the Roses, and here I'm painting this weird Lord no one's ever heard of and here's the research on this and this and this is like i just want to smash plastic toys together man <laughs> where do i start there exactly so uh should we move on to uh our first segment which is sort of what we're working on right now uh how we're we're approaching this at the at the moment yeah i mean i did write notes for this i suppose we should vaguely follow them so i i am trying to vaguely follow them <laughs> Look at us being professional and whatnot. Would you like to go first with, uh, like, what the models you're working on right now are? Uh, sure. So, uh, if this podcast survives more than two episodes, uh, folks will quickly learn that I am slow, uh, and that my primary thing I'm working on is whatever I was working on the last time, uh, there was an episode. Uh, so right now, uh, Calvin and I are playing a sort of mini and informal, uh, 30 Years War campaign using Pikeman's Lament as a rule set. Uh, I painted some horses for that and then sort of stalled out on that, and so now I'm trying to paint the riders. Uh, so I've got a unit of uh, six dragoons and two units of six uh, heavy horse that uh, need, need paint on them, and uh, that's what I'm working on right now for, for historicals. Uh, and then also uh, the 3D printer, which counts as hobby progress if I own it, uh, is sort of obediently churning away uh, various different terrain projects uh, to help support uh, that game and some others we've got planned in the future. I'm actually really excited to see those uh, dragoons done, considering last game we played they did so much work yeah i think the the failure state for dragoons is pretty horrible but uh when they work they work real well truly and in contrast to eric as soon as you if this listen if this podcast lasts more than two episodes you'll learn that i paint quickly currently 
I so I recently finished my uh, company, I guess is the term they use for army for Pikeman's Lament. And I've been going down another rabbit hole slightly of the Anglo-Zulu War and painting some nice red coats to die on the fields of South Africa. In addition, with those mentioned, you know, 3D printing, I did prime up all the buildings for that farm. So hopefully those will get painted this week at some point. Yeah, I, I printed up for um, our games a 28 millimeter French farm compound, I guess is the best word to, to put it, uh, that will make a nice uh, centerpiece model for, for 28 millimeter games um, and will work in, I think, a number of different settings. So I'm excited to see that. We've got one, we've got one building painted um, and it looks great. And so I'm excited to see the, the whole thing uh, come together because uh, I'm actually really pleased with how the uh, we, we're both members of, of the same wargaming club. We built wargaming in, in Moscow, Idaho. And uh, I'm really pleased to see how our sort of historical terrain collection is starting to come together. Yeah, because like I believe it was I think it was like two or three months ago uh, or was it longer than that, that like we had that terrain day where we actually went through everything we needed for a historical table yeah and that was that was honestly a huge amount of fun um to to actually go through that and and think about what we needed and and what we meant when we said oh do you want to farm you know that means farm fields and chicken coops and all kinds of things uh so yeah i'm really looking forward to, to seeing that and, and getting to play on those tables importantly oh yeah and i guess the other thing uh, i i did forget to mention that i'm working on is i have sourced all the models and started to print uh, the models that will be 3D printed uh, for some Austrians for Silver Bayonet, which may or may not count as a historical game, depending on if you think vampires are real, um, but is at least historically vibing. I think that's a good also, that'll be a discussion later for like talking about just playing historical games at like a very chill level is looking at things like Last War, Gloom Trench, uh, Silver Bayonet, all those kind of weird, vaguely historical games. Yeah. I think being able to look at those and like that will come later where we talk about like kind of what we're calling historical games and kind of look at it from a more relaxed perspective. Also, to me, what games we're working on, I did recently get my hard copy for The Men Who Would Be Kings, and immediately I thought, huh, I could do the second invasion of Afghanistan. That could be fun. Yeah, what what empire hasn't had a good invasion of Afghanistan that promptly failed? I mean, graveyard of empires. Romans, Russians, British... Americans. Yeah. I, at some point, I think it was in Foreign Policy, read a really interesting article that was just like, what is it about Afghanistan's position on the map of the world that makes it what it is? And yeah, it's just a, it's a vortex that one should not go in. Never get involved in a land war nation. I mean, any part of Asia. That's our, that's our history pro tip. <laughs> Don't do it. So the next general like vague thing on our format, if you want to go there, is our kind of like talking about like whatever our episode is actually going to be about. And in this case, it's probably going to be like, huh, what do we do? Or like, why? Why are we here? What is our point for historical wargaming and what kind of games do we want to look at? And the notes I have it specifically as, why this goddamn podcast? And I think that the, the reason for this podcast, beyond the fact that, uh, well, I am at least a middle-aged white dude, and Calvin is a middle-aged white dude in his soul, and thus, uh, we should start a podcast, is something at some point we said to each other. Um, really, the, the reason for this is, I think there's a lot of ways to get into uh, miniature wargaming as a hobby, and I think a lot of people are, for, for better or worse, with what uh, 
40k has become recently have started looking abroad uh, for various different wargaming options. Uh, but I think as we sort of alluded to, I think there's a very steep curve uh, to looking at historicals uh, for a number of different reasons. One is, is as we referred to the sort of button counters idea of, okay, but I don't actually know what, you know, Prussian infantry in 1807, uh, what color their buttons were. Um, I need to go look that up. And like Osprey has probably written a book on Prussian button um, design in the Napoleonic Wars. But uh, one thing is that um, looking at places where that doesn't necessarily matter. Uh, so one of the reasons uh, I have been so particularly fond of the Thirty Years' War is that nobody really had uniforms. And so uh, nobody had them. Paint your dudes the way you want. Buff coats should probably be painted buff. And that's about it. Um, and so I think that there's an interest in, in sort of that. And then also one of the things I, I do want to talk about that occurred to me last night as I was playing with little 15 millimeter, both pikemen and Napoleonic dudes, um, I think that historical wargaming often comes off as fairly intimidating because the battles you see in... If you look, if you think about a game like Age of Sigmar or Warhammer 40,000, a lot of the spectacle and pageantry comes from having a very terrain-heavy table and this sort of, you know, futuristic battlefield look to it. I think a lot of historical games, which are honestly uh, both historically accurate and also terrain light in that regard, um, rely on the spectacle of the number of toy soldiers you have on the board at any given time. Uh, and so, you know, you can have a very intimidating thing where if you're interested in, say, hypothetically 15 millimeter Napoleonics, which I just bought from Warlord, you get a box with hundreds of figures in it. And with how painting has improved, with people being able to have, you know, tutorials and being exposed to painting techniques on the internet and all the tools we have, hey, low-key paint a couple hundred guys is sort of a terrifying prospect. Um, and so part of the idea behind this is, again, that idea of sort of a chill approach to historical wargaming, where, you know, in the future, maybe we talk about some shortcuts we used. Um, I have been uh, a big fan of contrast paint. Contrast paint! Uh, because contrast paints are amazing and are really great for it's pretty okay and it's done. Um, and I think one of the things that you forget when you start thinking about the whole, the spectacle is the number of troops is also any individual given dude doesn't need a second layer of edge highlights because there's a hundred and something of them um and they're in ranks so you can't see the guys behind you so breaking out some of those old warhammer fantasy battles you know you paint the first rank and you dry brush the second and third sort of approach to things so i think that's really the the interest we have is trying to make things accessible talking about historical skirmish games um talking about you know painting techniques um building terrain uh hobby add which I definitely have on things like that. So, so Calvin, uh, why are you interested? Um, for me, a lot of the history stuff comes from being a bit of a nerd and having a dad who i fairly certain was probably somewhere neurodivergent, um, considering the amount of Civil War battlefields I visited as a kid. Between that and like the classic quote-unquote dad interest in like World War II, uh, really sparked my interest there. And following that, like kind of a very big love of tanks led me into World War II stuff originally. And then I decided, I just woke up one morning and it's like, well, I'm either going to start doing trains or start doing historicals. And I started ranting about Napoleon. I kind of blacked out there for a moment. And that's how I ended up picking up some Napoleonics at 28 mil, which is a horrid choice. That is definitely something that I'm paying for as uh, doing Napoleonics at 28 mil is a horrifically intimidating task. As mentioned before, you know, it's a hundred models at least uh, for each of my armies. 
However, the other thing I wanted to try to do with this podcast is show that you don't have to be scared. Because there's often a bit of a... I wouldn't say like a... Oh god, what's the best way to put this? Words are hard. Historicals are an interest to me because I like history in the first place. Getting to do gaming with it allows me to like kind of participate in these moments or these interesting things. And hunting down minutia is a fun thing for me. And... Sometimes when I look at, you know, stuff for most of the, I guess, content I see for historical war games kind of has a lot of assumed knowledge behind it, where it's like, oh, you know how units in formation work. Oh, you know what color these uniforms are to start with. Like, there's not a lot of entry level stuff for historical war gaming. And that's kind of where I was thinking with this, just kind of where what's your first step into a historical game? whatever it may be. Yeah, and I think along those same lines, you know, sort of stage whisper, not only do you not need to be intimidated by, uh, you know, the amount of models you need to paint and things like that, they don't have to be painted. Um, You know, like Warlord came out and said it for their, both their Push of Pike and uh, their Waterloo stuff. They're in different colored plastic for a reason. Um, So, you know, like don't necessarily be afraid. And this is the thing I tell, you know, people who are playing 40k, you don't need a fully painted army to start. Um, You know, it's, it's nice to make progress it's nice to have an army that looks good and also painted models automatically look better than unpainted models so your your skill level can grow but yeah i think both of us um as a consequence of growing up as nerdy boys have a little bit of an interest in history i have deeply held opinions about world war ii fighter planes notably that the spitfire is beautiful and god's most perfect aircraft um but in addition to that i think uh you know both of us come from a a pretty strong i'm gonna say war gaming lineage uh my dad was a hex encounter gamer uh and so i i sort of came from that and so when people ask me you know oh when did you start the hobby i sort of have to look at them and go like well define hobby yeah um, because if we're counting, you know, my old battered copy of Tactics 2, uh, I was eight. Um, if we're talking about, you know, sincerely playing Warhammer 40,000 or like my first official miniatures historical game, that answer is either I'm basically brand, well, for 40K, it's fifth edition. And for, you know, genuine historic games, it's this year, the year of our Lord 2023. Uh, so yeah. I think both of us come from a, a very familiar heritage. When you suckered me into yeah, yeah, I may have, I may have, have, have sucker punched uh, Calvin's uh, hobby progress and just been like, "Hey, buddy, I'll play historical games with you as long as it's this one." Yeah, it took you till this year to sucker me into you know painting my own Thirty Years War army. Um, and then in retaliation, uh, I have ended up with a bunch of fifteen millimeter Napoleonics, and someday some British paratroopers are going to show up. Indeed. Also it just hit me that there's another thing you mentioned like you know uh there's like a demographic thing there too like back to kind of go back to the beginning you mentioned you know being in a middle-aged man and a middle-aged man in my soul there's also a bit of like trying to fight the stereotype a little bit with historical war games of i guess trying to fight the stereotype of i do have a beard neither one of us are wearing suspenders old gray man in corner playing historical games i am a spry 25 trying to do this stuff and i just making it more accessible seems like a good plan to me yeah i think um more accessible a little bit um less old man yells at clouds i think we both do have beards but um neither one of us are currently wearing suspenders um we may devote an episode to that because it happens occasionally um and it's worth talking about as something the the hobby struggles
All right. So post behind the scenes technical difficulty. Where were we? Um, something I was going off a little bit about uh, kind of inclusivity and trying to break the uh, stereotype of old gray man in corner playing game. Yeah, I think the hobby does have and we will probably do an episode at this point on this at some point. Sort of an old man yells at clouds problem that we'd like to at least dispel a little bit. I mean, Calvin's a, a sprightly young man. I am not, but like... I would like to believe I'm not old yet, um, despite my beard slowly turning white. Um, and more importantly, just trying to make sure that this is, is a hobby for everybody. And that um, if you're interested in, in working on this, that there is a, a welcoming community and a welcoming environment uh, for you to be a part of that helps foster it. Because I mean, the thing that's, that's true for all of these games is you need to be able to play with somebody. As much as I am interested in uh, solitaire play, and we may have an episode on that as well at some point, it really is better with friends. I've got something fun for when we talk about solo play, because it came actually in one of the books uh, that I got recently. There's a whole chapter called Playing Mr. Bad- Babbage, which talks about playing solo. Nice. Um, that, that'll, that'll be fun to talk about because, I mean, one of the things that came out of both the pandemic and just not having time is occasionally I feel like wargaming at three in the morning. Um, and I have been kind enough not to cow Calvin and be like, hey, meet me at the clubhouse. It's dark outside. Uh, so, yeah. I mean... I, I bet I could probably get you into that, but, like... This this is this is not a path I should allow myself to go down. Can't enable you anymore. Exactly. Uh, there was one other note I did also want to kind of hit on a little bit in this whole section, which is uh, kind of talking about what we actually play, like and the things that we personally have interest in when it comes to historicals. Because like we obviously have a shared one of the Thirty Years' War and kind of the general Pike and Shot era. Like we do share the interest on the Thirty Years' War. I also add on that I do a lot of stuff for the Italian Wars because. I think it's kind of funny how a French king wanted an Italian kingdom and made that everyone's problem for 65 years. These, these things happen from time to time. Who amongst us hasn't triggered a, a massive multi-party uh, decades-long war? Uh, so I'm interested in a number of different things. Uh, I, Generally speaking, I have found that if you tell me, hey, could you be interested in something? My answer is always like, oh yeah, sure. Uh, so right now, uh, I primarily focused on the 30 Years' War simply because I need to focus on something to get things done. I also have an interest in uh, Napoleon. I've always had an interest in Napoleon. Back when I was in high school, I had to write a, what was, I was in the International Baccalaureate Program, which is a glorified AP process. And we had to write a very long essay. And I wrote mine on Prussian military reform between 1805 and 1870. Uh, so I have a weakness for the Napoleonic period and especially the Prussians. Uh, the, as someone put it, the, the great redemption story of the Napoleonic period where they get overrun by Napoleon in the start and they end up being uh, instrumental in his uh, downfall in the end and what happens in between. Uh, so I do like the Napoleonic period. I think it's it's one that historicals and, you know, we've mentioned this sort of pageantry aspect of historicals. The Napoleonic period is sort of the peak peak pageantry, um, unless potentially you are playing uh, <laughs> War of the Roses and go into go deep, deep down the herald, heraldry rabbit hole. And beyond that, um, like I said, I find a lot of things interesting. Uh, I've been interested in uh, there's the notion of sort of imaginations and playing historicals that don't exist um, as a concept. That's one I've, I found really um, sort of fascinating. Yeah, I, as I mentioned, I think I alluded to, I backed the Empress Miniatures 
uh, Bridge Too Far Kickstarter, and so I'm going to have a lot of little metal paratroopers come my way very soon. Uh, but yeah, that's that's sort of what I'm interested in. I Like I said, I'm interested in most periods. It's probably easier to name the ones I'm not, and I'm struggling to fi- find one right now. Yeah. I personally, uh, as one said, the shared 30 years war. Uh, I like. I think the Italian wars are interesting from kind of a color and military revolution standpoint. I also have several armies for Napoleonics at 28 millimeter, both French and British. Although technically the British are my dad's that he's having me paint, but I mean, it's kind of fun to paint red coats once in a while. I have been slowly, uh, well, I have several World War II armies for bold action, chain of command, what have you. There, my really big interest is in uh, North Africa uh, because I think desert warfare is neat, uh, so much so to the point that I'm making a full long-range desert group army as soon as uh, I check out the first Perry truck that I ordered. Yay, Perrys. I have a interesting bend. I tend to go later uh, for more recent history than Eric does. For example, I've got a lot more World War II stuff, a lot more World War One stuff. I had an inkling to do Vietnam and then my better better instincts kind of told me not to but then also it's like i do a lot of colonial conflicts as i mentioned before you know anglo zulu war and then apparently i can't get away from ancients either because my lovely boyfriend decided to enable me and bought me a box of norman cavalry for the crusades so that's gonna happen at some point so that'll be a thing i was i was very very worried when you said i can't get away from agents ancients that somehow without me knowing in the past couple days you have like bought a macedonian army or something uh because that would not be unlike you oh no i've already i've got a roman army like i have a full roman century like one-to-one roman century there you go like on my shelf half painted so Ancients are just calling to me at the worst case. I guess one thing that really like gets me into gaming is, can I make some sort of artillery? Yes, that will that will be a thing people discover. Uh, Calvin likes him a good cannon. Big guns, trebuchets, ballista. I don't care. Give me the biggest gun. Big thing that throws things far. I want to play with it. 10 of 10 would trebuchet again. Yeah, whatever the, the, the pod, the, uh, the copy pasta for, you know... Uh, the trebuchet, however big of rock, however many meters, I can't remember off the top of my head. Sadly, neither can I. So we'll delete this joke. No, 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 it's for editor. Uh, or we'll leave it. Ari, leave the joke in. <laughs> Ari, leave the joke in. Um, but yeah, it's so now it's just like we're getting to our kind of conclusions. Um, so ideas for future episodes, we've alluded to a couple throughout. We've got our idea for, you know, looking at like demographics and how to change that because one of us knows a bit about data. Yeah, I'm a stats nerd by, by profession. Um, so, so thinking about um, data, thinking about uh, sort of this hobby as sort of both how it has a perception problem and how it has a demographic problem, because it does. We've mentioned uh, some other sort of ideas for perhaps specific periods. You know, I think we could do a, you know, quote unquote, deep dive, even though it's not that deep, into the Thirty Years' War as sort of why we're both interested in it, why I think particularly it makes a really great 
entry point for historicals and some other things. Per usual, I would I would love to do a historical terrain episode or a uh, and slash or a 3D printing episode uh, because that is becoming a bigger deal in in the wargaming hobby generally. Um, and yeah, I, I think there's definitely some others. Calvin, do you have anything you you desperately want to touch on? Um, I think doing a series of episodes kind of like an episode of like what do I need to know to game this period and doing one for like you know I don't know what do I need to know to do. The War of Spanish Succession. We'll just use that as like our yeah whatever uh, thing. Stealing it from Hobby Support Group, you know. Uh, it's just kind of like, hey, I want to start playing this war. What do I need to know about armies? What do I need to know about finding models for them? Any other weird little quirks? I think that's a big thing that is is important for historical war gaming as a thing is where do I buy models? Uh, because you know if you're if you're playing you know a Games Workshop game, you you go to your Games Workshop store and you buy the models end of story whereas for uh historicals you gotta pick and there's a lot of different sources and a lot of those sources like some of them are great and super accessible um that is i believe why warlord games um is what it is but uh then there are others where it's like yeah these really cool people make these really cool miniatures uh but they're only open the second tuesday of every other month um and so you know where do i buy models and who carries them and what sort of ranges um are definitely something we'll we'll try to cover because that is very hard to sometimes find and you get a lot of you get a lot of mini mini miniatures manufacturers who wrote their website once in 1996 um and never updated it again Uh, but they're still selling things and often they're selling very cool things uh so yeah that's that's definitely something um that we'll we'll uh be covering um because it's a it's a it's a weird aspect of this part of the hobby. Like just off the top of my head, I'm thinking for just for my project for like my Zulu war stuff. It's like I've seen stuff for it from three different four different manufacturers because Perry, Empress, Warlord, and I think I saw some Anglo Zulu stuff uh, from Pendraken because I was looking for like ten mil stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh look, what do you want to do? You can probably find it. Yeah. And uh, there is definitely a occasionally price versus quality trade-off. Um, there is a do you want metal miniatures trade-off, uh, which is again something that, that hasn't confronted people in the sort of mainline games workshop part of the hobby uh, in a long time is, okay, but what happens when a bunch of you know, white metal toy soldiers shows up on your desk. Uh, so yeah, that's definitely something we'll we'll cover for a number of those segments. Um, and so that's given us probably like six months worth of podcast episodes. So yay for us. Yeah. Speaking of that, how often do we think these are going to come out? No more frequently than once a month. Yeah. Just real talk time. Uh, we are both busy professionals and... There's a there's a degree of difficulty in, in getting together for all things. Um, anyone who has ever had a D&D group will attest to the fact that getting multiple people in a room on a regular basis is the hardest part of playing D&D. So in, a, in an aspirational sense, probably once a month. Um, in a realistic sense, probably once a month-ish. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if people decide that they want more of us, I'm sure I, I could be convinced to, like, make a Patreon and have us do, like, I don't know, probably, like, some sort of stream stuff or, yeah. Smallish bonus episodes, hobby ASMR, um, various things. You know, catching catching our rants about various things. Yeah. Oh, there's another episode idea that we could talk about is uh, problematic wargaming, where it's kind of like, you know, talking about these conflicts of like, huh, so you want to play the bad guys. Yeah, and and there are definitely ways to play the bad guys, and the bad guys do need to get played. 
Um, and there are approaches to that, and there are bad approaches to that. So yay, another another episode idea. But yeah, um, if people really really like this and this takes off, we can we can revisit that scheduling idea. Uh, but uh, realistically, for the moment, uh, we're probably looking at about monthly. Um, we hope. Once again, uh, you're gonna get what you pay for with this. So uh, yeah. Um, and then I guess this one's going to, this one was a shorter episode because we were just kind of going, Hey, this is us. This is a podcast. And if you want to find us, for example, Eric, where can they find you? So many places. Uh, so I do also have a, uh, Warhammer 40,000, um, podcast with Brian Harvey, formerly of the Splinter Mind. Um, that is called Lost to the Nails. Um, if you just search Lost to the Nails podcast in your various different podcasting apps, we're there. Um, I also write a blog, Variance Hammer, um, that is my infrequent updated um sort of stats nerdy quantitative look at wargaming that's at variancehammer.com and then finally finally i am on twitter the hateful bird site um at at variancehammer and you can find me on the hateful bird site as brushes and jazz uh you can also catch me streaming once or twice a week uh over at twitch.tv slash nevermore painting where most of the time i'm painting models uh but there's also at least once a week or twice a week that i'm doing apex because sometimes i need to turn my brain off and shoot things all right so i think that's it for this episode thank you all for tuning in and we uh hope you'll join us uh for our next attempt at this yeah hopefully it goes better with fewer technical difficulties it won't just a hint it won't (laughs) yeah spoiler it will not go better with less technical difficulties uh but yes thank you all very much for tuning in uh this is the plastic press gang have a good day